Hey, 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 what is going on, Cube fam? Hope you guys are doing well. Back with another episode here. I've been doing a lot of questioning about what you guys want to see more of on the podcast. I want to get more also on the YouTube. Uh, I've been going really hard in the stream, so thank you all for tuning in. And I did a little back and forth feedback session on the last stream to just ask you guys really what you want to see out of a podcast and the content you guys are looking for so I can help differentiate myself from maybe um, some others out there. So today is a very, very important one, and it's one I'm going to continue to try and do more often, uh, try and be a little more actionable for you guys. Uh, I'm not really going to talk about companies that I'm invested in because that's more of the subscription. If you guys are not familiar, please definitely check that out. Um, but I want to talk about the market itself. So if you have been in the markets uh, for at least the last couple months, um, you're probably noticing that you know it's a pretty crazy time right now across so many different sectors, so many different types of companies, and and just it's honestly insane. Whether you're looking at crypto, or you're looking at large cap, small cap, uh, you look internationally, it is unreal, and the volatility is also insane. Markets keep you know moving higher and higher and higher, and shaking off news left and right. But there is a lot of differentiation going on right now, and I wanted to use this episode to bring that to light uh, about some areas I think you guys should be considering and and looking into because um, I think there's opportunity right now in in some pockets. Even though the market might be at all-time highs, uh, I do think that um, there are places you should be looking into to, to step in if not already or maybe average down or whatever have you. So Yes, S&P 500 guys, cranking. Um, Look at the NASDAQ, cranking. You know, look at so many different places, cranking. Crypto, unreal. I've been very vocal about my position in Ethereum at uh, $335. I'm still holding, guys. Um, And that's something I'm going to continue to hold for a long time. I'm a long-term investor. If you guys are new to the podcast, I am strictly a long-term investor. I don't mess with Dogecoin, which just hit $0.29 or $0.32. Um, as I'm doing this podcast, which is just ridiculous. Um, I don't chase that kind of stuff, guys. I don't get caught up in FOMO. I'm not the type to to feel like I'm missing out. Uh, I believe in investing in long-term companies and and growing with them. That's where I made all my money in the market, uh, at least a, m- a majority of my money in the market. So with that being said, I think the market's getting a little frothy here across many names. Um, Right now, what we're seeing, generally speaking, is a big push into the reopening play. We're looking into uh, seeing companies that are trading at historic valuations uh, across value names. Value has become popular again. And I personally am not interested in any of these names. I think the reopening play is getting uh, overplayed here. I'm not... Uh, sold on it at all. I I don't, I'm not investing in it. I'm not chasing it. I do own uh, the IVV and the IVW, which are S&P 500 ETFs and S&P 500 uh, growth ETFs respectively, which have been doing great. They're what I call my portfolio stabilizers. And I keep those in my portfolio forever. Those are just what I hold. I don't own the S&P value uh, fund because being that I am in my, my late 20s, I am more interested in growing my my capital as opposed to preserving it and collecting dividend income right now that is not my goal my goal is exponential returns 
which is why I keep about half my portfolio weighted in uh, broad-based ETFs and uh, mega cap names, all right? And then I like to use the other half for, well, not, I wouldn't say the other half. There's always at least 10% cash on me. Coming into the new year, I was uh, around 20% cash. I've been deploying it now, guys. Uh, I'm not going to say specifically what I've been putting it into. My subscribers know if you guys would like to see individually what I've been investing in, you guys can hit the subscribe button on qbalt.com. Any of the plans, you'll see what I'm talking about. But I do want to talk about the areas in which I'm looking into and have been investing in and will continue to invest in. So I, guys, am not buying into, as I said, this whole reopening trade uh, at this point in time. I think now it's becoming fully, fully priced in. Uh, with I mean, just take airlines, for example. Uh, when you take into account the debt, all right, and you look at the enterprise value, that's when you take into account net debt. Uh, they're trading at, in some cases, above where they were pre-pandemic. I don't see any value here. I don't see this. I think this reopening play is uh, for airlines is way overbought, in my honest opinion. And I have no interest there. So I'm not looking at airliners. Um, I'm not looking at that at all. Um, as I go through the list here, I mean, take a look at some of this, guys. I, and and this is what Wall Street's pushing. This is what CNBC's like talking so much about how it's, you need to be here, this is where the money is, This is, and that's great. I think this is just momentum at this point. I don't actually believe this is sustainable across many of these names. For example, let's just walk through some. Uh, great companies, by the way. Do not take this the wrong way. Great companies, but I'm not chasing them here is what I'm trying to say. It's like, if you have cash right now, where are you looking? I have cash right now. Right now, my cash weight's at 13%. Like I said, I've been deploying it. Um, I've been selling some other names here and I've been raising some more cash as well and I'm going to continue to deploy it and I'm just going to walk through first areas which I'm not going to be putting my money. For example, I'm not chasing Caterpillar, all right, at 28 times forward earnings. I'm not chasing Home Depot at 25 times earnings. I am not chasing Nike at 37 times earnings. I'm not chasing Starbucks at 38 times earnings. As much as I like the hotel reopening play, I'm not chasing Marriott at over 70 times forward earnings. Uh, Costco, 35 times earnings, Honeywell, 29 times earnings. This is not something I'm going to be chasing. I mean, you're looking, you're talking Honeywell, five times sales, Caterpillar, three and a half times sales, forward sales, mind you, not, not the last 12 months. We're looking at the reopening. It would be wrong of me to talk about these multiples on a past 12 month basis on a reopening play. You got to look forward, right? Cause that's what everyone's looking into. That's what everyone is investing in, in into the forward outlook. Um, but I just don't see how I'm going to pay four times sales for 3M. Uh, we talk about a lot, me and the subscribers, about uh, balance sheet health. That is very important to me. Um, some of these companies, actually the majority of them, they pay dividends, all right? M much of those dividends, uh, not in all these cases, but in many of these value names, are being financed by debt, okay? The share buybacks are being financed by debt. And they are loaded with debt. A lot of these companies took on a majority of them being convertible debt, right? Um, or they just they issue a ton of shares, dilution. And that's how a lot of them are keeping their dividends alive. I don't care personally, guys, to chase these stocks at all times. This, this is ridiculous to me. I am not going to pay 40 times sales for Starbucks. I mean, what kind of growth am I really looking at? I know there's China expansion, but... Am I going to be looking at 10% compound annual growth rates for the next 5, 10 years out? I don't think so. Um, as much as I love the reopening play infrastructure bill, I don't want to pay 30 times earnings for Caterpillar. You know, I, I, this is, I, I look, 
everyone's got to get their trash taken out, but I'm not paying four times sales, okay? And, you know, 35 times earnings for, for waste management. It, it's just not what I want. It's not where I want to be. Um, so what, where I'm looking here is the beaten up growth names. That is where I think opportunity lies. You know, you can look at airlines, right? I mean, they're going to see some pretty good growth year over year for the next few years. But I believe that's more than priced in. And I don't think we'll see a dividend or a share buyback from them anytime soon. Anytime soon. So that is where my mind is at right now when I look at the reopening play. I think it's fully saturated right now. And I'm not going to chase the top here. That is Cube's point of view. We can have a great discussion about it via email, Instagram, DMs. Uh, we talk about this nonstop in the group chat with the subscribers. And um, I feel many many would agree with me. I don't think anything I'm saying is monumental. Um, but what's happening here is it's not so much that I don't want to chase these names right now at, at all-time highs and valuations that I simply can't justify. It's also a culmination of how much some of these growth names have been beaten to a pulp. And it's been a a wide sell-off, like where I say, you know, the baby's being thrown out with the bathwater here. It's it's not a selective sell-off in growth names. It's really across the board. And I think that's where opportunity lies because it's just everyone's just dumping them all. I mean, you're looking at some growth names uh, down 60% from highs, 70% from highs. And I'm going to include SPACs in that, guys, the special purpose acquisition companies. I'm going to include them in this list. I know they get a bad rap. I truly believe there's a lot of value in them. I'm not saying all of them are great, but I think there are a ton that need to be considered. Now, anytime you see a stock fall 75%, okay, and, and not like in a $10 million market cap. I mean, I'm talking like billion-dollar company that was maybe trading at $3 billion, now it's trading at $1 billion. It's time to consider them uh, if you haven't already. I've been getting my feet wet in them. I am nowhere near done establishing my position. I joke about it all the time. My dollar cost averaging really bit me in the butt in 2020 because I'd start my position, right? I like to like buy in increments of like 25% of the time or 33% of the time to build it up over three or four purchases. And it was killing me in 2020 because I would start my positions and then they would run from me, okay? Um, and now that's thankfully saving me in 2021. All right, it really is uh, my allocation to... Uh, the IVV, as I said, IVW and many of these mega caps has been also helping me a ton. Uh, and that's why that diversified portfolio continues time and time again to really carry me um, throughout the years. So I think that even if there is a bad uh, rap right now, a bad uh, mojo, whatever you want to call it in SPACs and, and, and small cap growth, mid cap growth, in some cases, large cap growth, but growth in general, I think now is when we should really be considering them. It's been about a two-month sell-off, but I believe this is starting to near its end as I believe the, the value reopening play runs its course. We're starting to see the 10-year pull back a little bit here as those inflation numbers weren't as strong as people were really thinking. I mean, 2.6% year-over-year when you compare us reopening right now versus April when we really thought that this virus was going to be the death of the world, the next plague. I mean, everyone was really honoring the the lockdown measures drastically uh, April 15th, April 16th of last year. I mean, I know for myself, I, was, I wasn't leaving the house, period. Mask or not, it, I, I just wasn't leaving the house. So to only see 2.6% year-over-year inflation, um, I think is why 
the the tenure is cooling off. I think it more than priced that in now. And I think investors should be looking into growth, especially when you consider uh, that my audience, I know you guys listen, you're around my age, mid to late 20s, even if you're in your 30s and 40s, I am always thinking, where is my portfolio going to be three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? I don't think Intel is going to bring me to the promised land. I don't think Cisco is either. I'm definitely not IBM. Okay. I like Costco. That's not going to change my life. All right. 3M. Look, sticky notes are great. I'm just joking. I know they have more to their business than that. It's not where my money is going to be made. Maybe as I reach my later years, sure, I'll consider it but not at 40 times earnings. Okay, they want to talk about, you know, CNBC has been, I don't watch them live. I tell my subscribers all the time, I do not watch CNBC live. Uh, I just think there's too much emotions in it. I like to read post-market and I like to read. So a lot of that um, body language is not in the paper. It's not in the, that, that, you know, frantic yelling or, Kramer going crazy. It's not built into the vocals. You know, that's why I just want to read the letter. I want to read letters. I don't want to listen vocally because it can, it can sway with your emotions. You know, they bring on people who always are saying doom, doomsday is coming, or they bring on someone an hour later after the commercial break. And he says, you know, S and P is going to 6,000. It's just too much, you know, ruckus for me. All right. But what they have been saying, the articles I have been reading, they are pushing so hard for two things. One, the reopening play, which I think is getting just completely frothy at this point. But two, they are pushing IPOs, all right? And I'll couple that with beating up on SPACs. I, I don't understand it, okay? I really don't get it. So they're talking about how, you know, we should be buying Snowflake. Kramer especially, man. We should be buying Snowflake at, you know, 100 times sales and all this kind of stuff. You know, it, before Snowflake went public, it was valued at $12.5 billion. One year later, they take it public at $100 billion. DoorDash, same thing, using their freaking great year-over-year numbers because of the pandemic to, you know, justify somewhat a $50, $60 billion valuation. Airbnb, 100-something billion dollar valuation. Where's the money for retail? Where's the money for retail? I mean, what are we looking at? Potential 2x? All right, so in hopes that you know snow goes from 100 billion to 200 billion, do you think that's got 10x potential to be the next trillion dollar company? No, I don't believe it is. And they keep pushing these names, and it is mind boggling to me. And I am not a buyer of it, I am not buying the crap that they are selling. Okay, instead, I'm willing to be extremely patient. And yes, I am considering these SPACs. Why am I considering these SPACs? I'll tell you why. And, and granted, I'll repeat again. There has been so many that have come to market. I don't like a majority of them. I am very selective in what I'm looking at and what I'm considering, especially as it relates to small cap growth. But when I look at SPACs, what exactly is my takeaway from them? I believe they are equivalent to 2015, 2016 software as a service companies, okay? When you look at Coupa Software and you look at, you know, MongoDB and you look at uh, Atlassian that were trading at... $2 billion market caps, $3 billion market caps. Were they especially volatile? Yes. But if you're a young investor like I am, and you've got a long outlook, a long horizon time frame, this, this is what you should be considering, especially if you have the stomach to handle the volatility. Why? I don't know if you guys are around, you know, CNBC and Bloomberg and all that. These software as a service companies 
were ragdolled, okay, by the media saying they shouldn't be trading at eight times sales, ten times sales. They're not profitable. They're trading. They're, they're not gonna. They're, you know, they're trading at PEs that you can't even quantify because they're not gonna make any earnings for the next five, ten years, if ever. Yada yada yada. Okay, and now they're the darlings of Wall Street that have produced 25x gains over the last five, six years. All right, that is what I'm interested in, guys. Okay, when you think of Cube, I, I keep a core in uh, of my portfolio in established, you know, ETFs and and big names that you know really keep my portfolio from having monumental swings. But I use the other proportion of it spread out across 15 to 20 names that I'm making my big bets on, all right? And I love my software service companies. I think there are some trading at beautiful discounts right now, okay? Because you have to keep in mind, and I'm going all over the place, just a tad bit here, um, that while they are trading at maybe 10, 12 times sales, you've got to keep an eye on the gross margins. There's always more to the story. That's why I just want you guys to really think deeper, okay? But... What's wrong with paying 10 times sales for a company, a software company that's going to grow their revenues 30% year over year for the next five years when they have gross margins at 80 to 90%? When you have Starbucks trading at five and a half times sales? You, you guys see what I'm saying? Do you see the point I'm trying to, the parallel I'm trying to draw here, the point I'm trying to make? But with these SPACs, how do, what do I look at them as? I look at them as growth equity, as late stage VC venture capital opportunities. That if you have a long-term horizon and you have the, the diamond hands to deal with the early onslaught of volatility, I think you will make out great, okay? Obviously, not across all of them, but diversify across 10 to 15 that you think are awesome. If you guys like to know what, like I said, if you like to know what I am buying, simply subscribe to Cube. And, and that's where my money is being placed. It's being placed in growth industries, hyper-growth industries, all right? Uh, and another thing too about these SPACs and a lot of these small cap growth names, all them are being sold off together. No, they're not, no one's handpicking saying, well, this is a good one. It shouldn't sell off. They are letting them all go. And that's where I think there's opportunity because it tells me the market is not actually thinking rationally. They are just dumping everything. And in my past, that is where I've made most of my money. I did it in Q4 of 2018. I did it in 2019 during corrections. I did it during the pandemic. All right. Do I time the bottom perfectly? Hell no. But I do my dollar cost averaging and I get in there in stages, all right? And I keep buying, buying, buying. One, two companies in particular I mentioned. I, I don't really own them anymore. One, I don't own anymore. Purple, okay? Uh, purple mattresses. Who, who the hell would buy purple mattresses during a pandemic, right? Stock went from 15 to four during last March and April, excuse me. I started getting into my position around, I uh, started buying at nine, kept buying at eight, took some time, started buying more at six, five, and then I made my last purchase at four, which is where it bottomed out. So my average was around like 650 or something like that, maybe seven bucks. Okay, now granted, now think about it. I'm buying and buying and buying. At one point, I'm down like 50% of my investment. Whoa, what the heck, Bez? Like, that's crazy. What do you, like, how can you stomach that? And then... I wound up selling my position a year later for a $27 average. Remarkable. Why? It was being sold off in clumps with everything else. 
People are like, whoa, mattress company, no way. Sell every, sell it all, sell it all, sell it all. Like this stock went from 15 to four with a great balance sheet. Why did, they, why did I see opportunity in there? Just for example, their sales were mainly direct to consumer DTC. They didn't need Fortune All for Sleepies or whatever other mattress, you know, mattress company store like, you know, Raymore and Flanagan to sell their mattresses. A majority of their business was from e-commerce. But it didn't matter because the, the street was just selling everything off. And that's where opportunity lies. I've done it with many other companies, okay? And now I'm doing it here again. And I'm not concerned about where stocks are a month out, two months out, three months out. I don't concern myself with that. I'm not trying to chase Doge right now, all right? This is my mindset. This is mindset that I personally believe that many, especially at my age, okay, all up to like their... their early 40s, man, because 40s are the new 30s, okay, should be implementing this exact mindset, all right, this is how I feel, and another cool thing about these companies is their balance sheets are pristine, they have no debt, and they have enough cash on hand to handle cash burn for the next two to three years, they want to talk so much about this 10-year rate, it's still so historically low, Statistically speaking, it's usually not an issue until it crosses 3%. I don't believe the Fed is going to even allow it to get back up to 3%. And I think it was a garbage narrative, personally, okay, to justify why growth was selling off. It's just a rotation to the reopening play that I think now is topping out. And I think big money is now going to pull the rug out of these huge value names that I believe are no longer considered value, I don't know what value is at 38 times earnings on Nike and Starbucks. I don't I don't know where value is there. I don't know why anybody in their right mind would pay what they're paying for airlines right now, okay, at all-time highs on an enterprise value basis, but they're pushing it. Why? I think the rug pull is going to come from these names, and I believe growth is going to fall back in favor, especially now with the 10-year cooling off. All right, I think the tenure was pricing in much uh, of it already. Um, when you look at the break-even rates, it's still calling for only 2.5% inflation, which is right where the Fed wants it to be. And I think now when you're looking at 60%, 70% drops in many amazing growth companies, you have to consider them. Especially when like we're not talking about bankruptcy here. We're talking about these companies entering hyper-growth industries, whether it be Clean energy, electric vehicles, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, cybersecurity, the list goes on and on and on. And what I'm doing personally is I am diversifying across many names in many different industries. And this is where I see opportunity. Many of these SPACs, in my honest opinion, okay, I'm going to talk about SPACs again here. These are companies that I believe went the SPAC route because it was cheaper than going to a late-stage VC. I think they were able to raise equity much cheaper. And what it does for guys like us, okay, uh, for people like us, is create enormous potential because I truly believe that these companies, if they didn't want to go public, they're the types of companies that come to the market via an IPO at a 30, 40, 50 billion dollar valuation in five years. And then there's nothing left for retail to squeeze out of it. You know, look at the Coinbase. Kevin Durant just made 53 times his money on Coinbase on his investment in 2017. Don't we want opportunity like that, guys? Don't we want opportunities like that? 
but they're not really out there in the market. And I think that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing this opportunity. And you have to choose carefully. Obviously, yes, you must choose carefully. I'm not saying all of them need to be scooped up. I think a lot of uh, these these companies, these SPACs, are, are making outrageous predictions in their growth forecasts and uh, they're projecting that they're going to you know, take XYZ market share and yada, yada, yada. I think many of them are just being uh, you know, way too optimistic. But if you do your due diligence, I think there's a lot of opportunity right now, okay? Especially the way they're all being dumped. They're being shorted to oblivion. It's causing, in my opinion, uh, pretty much uh, stop-loss triggering and margin calls. And I also think bots are playing a big role in this in the momentum trade. And I believe they will turn around. I believe eventually the market will come back to their senses, you know, stop running up shit coins and start thinking about, okay, do I really want to pay, you know, 35 times for Costco or do I really want to pay 30 times for waste management uh, or do I want to now start considering some of these growth names that are going to be growing at CAGRs of 30, 40% over the next five years with amazing margins, with amazing balance sheets on a 60 to 70% decline. Uh, in stock price, that is where I'm looking at, guys. And I, I, I want to, I, I care about five x potential, ten x potential. The IPOs today are not offering that. They, they're coming to the, to the market. I, I just feel like they're just dropping the bag on retail, and they're and, and CNBC is trying to sell us. Call me conspiracy theorist, trying to sell us on why it's a great investment. Are you kidding me? I don't want to pay a hundred times sales for a company. At a hundred billion dollar valuation, I don't, and the Coinbase is not that, but like Snowflake, for example, and many others, I don't, I don't want it. I, I don't want it. That's not where the opportunity lies. I want to be able to park my money in something, and, and have those, you know, 2015, 2016 software as a service opportunities. And if you go back and look at these stocks, man, they all witnessed 30 percent, 40 percent drops. Uh, when they were starting out because people still weren't believers in the, these new coming, uh, these new tech companies, these new next generation tech companies. And many people got left behind in the dust. So that's where I'm looking right now, guys. You can call me a conspiracy theorist. I can even take it a step further if you want. Uh, there, I think one, number one, retail is thrown the towel in. I think if you, I talk to you guys on a daily basis, many of have, have told me, they're out of the market or they sold all their stocks and went 100% into crypto. I got no problem with crypto position. I just don't think it should surpass 10% of your portfolio on, on a cost basis. If it happens to get there because you're in Ether and you're up 600% like I am, great. And mind you, I'm not at 10% on Ether. Even after this game, I'm still not up there. But uh, that's fine uh, to have a position in crypto. It's also a, a great um, hedge. And it has been for me too. But... You know, how much of this has to do with Wall Street punching retail back in the mouth for the GameStop fiasco? I mean, hedge funds literally had to close up shop from margin calls because of GameStop. And what else is owned 100% practically, you know, by, by retail? What, what, what names has retail been in since, you know, December, call it maybe even November? Like, totally been in, not 100%, obviously, I'm exaggerating, but what have they been in, like, in, in totality? They've been running up SPACs from $10 to $60, like CCIV and Lucid. And what, what, did, what did the street do? They said, oh, 
we're licking our chops here, shorted to oblivion. And retail got absolutely hosed. And that is why I have been digging in now on many of these companies because I have the long, I have the patience. Number one, I got the patience. I have the cash on hand. My portfolio is well diversified. And I see 5X, 10X potential across these names. The hardest part about this is not just the due diligence. It's being able to withstand the insane volatility that's going on right now. And I believe we're going to see rotation into these names. I think this is a pretty big shakeout here. And this is where I stand. I think there's a lot of opportunity. And I believe Wall Street's going to eventually pull out of some of these, these value names and start digging in, creating pretty large positions in, uh, in these other names that I'm talking about. So, guys, that's what I wanted to bring to light. Just as a light recap for you all. I went live, if you all remember, on Christmas Eve for like one of the first times ever, maybe the second time on Instagram Live. The one thing I was saying was, what is your cash balance? I don't know if you guys were in on that stream, okay? I said, I kept asking, what's your cash balance? What's your cash balance? And I'm going to ask you guys again, what is your cash balance? Um, and where is your portfolio situated right now? I want to reiterate again, diversification is key across different company sizes, different markets, different industries, different company sizes uh, in different uh, uh, countries, okay? I am loving Southeast Asia, guys. I'm looking there. I think there's a lot of growth opportunities there. I think there's a lot of growth in LATAM, okay? Especially in the fintech spaces. That's where I'm looking to. I'm looking at 3D printing. I'm looking at AI. I'm looking at clean, uh, clean food, clean energy, okay? This is where I'm looking because... We have to be ahead of the curve. We have to be ahead of the curve. I don't care to own Chevron right now. I don't care to own Caterpillar. I don't care to pay three times sales for Pepsi. Don't care to pay five times sales for Starbucks. It's not where my interest lies. It's not where I think I'm going to generate alpha the next two years out, three years out, five years out. I just don't see it. All right. And I also worry about these companies and their debt. It's, it's so odd to me. I, I want to end this podcast. I keep going. I can't stop myself. You know, these companies that are, that these younger growth companies have no debt on their balance sheet. They can raise cash whenever they want. Many companies like Twilio and uh, I think it was Palantir and a few others. Do you see the terms of their convertible debt? Zero percent interest in some cases with break-even prices uh, on, on, the, uh, on the convertible debt. All right. The conversion prices, 30 to 40% out of the money. The debt's free. It's freaking free. Well, when you look at a Lockheed Martin, which I still like, by the way, but look at Lockheed Martin, you look at all these companies, uh, Boeing or whatever have you, uh, they are reliant on debt. So why is a 10-year an issue for growth when growth is raising capital with, with ease when the debt is really a problem for IBM, for, for all these other companies? They're the ones using the debt to finance the buybacks and to finance the dividends. It, it, it's bizarre, world. I cannot, I, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. Up is down, down is up. It's remarkable how they're, the, the tenure rising is selling off growth. Um, hello, values the one with the inflated debt on their balance sheet. Whenever a growth company wants to issue debt, there's people lined up ready to give them cash at will at 0% interest rates with a conversion price way above current prices. 
Are you kidding me? This is remarkable. So guys, to stress again, diversification. I'm not liking the value over here. I don't think it's even called value anymore. I think momentum is completely taking over. And I think we're starting to top out a bit here. All right. Uh, mind you, great companies. I'm not a fan of the prices. There are certain pockets that I like. Um, but across the board, I'm seeing uh, some red flags here. All right. Um, so I think you should be considering dollar cost averaging. That's another point into some of these smaller growth companies, um, especially if you are looking for for them exponential returns. If you're looking for safer income, obviously might not have been the podcast for you, but still take into consideration what I'm saying here because you know we, we could be seeing pullbacks here. I mean, it's only inevitable, right? The market always does that, that kind of stuff. But um, I do think growth is going to be great. I think SP 500 earnings per share are going to be awesome. Um, I think the economy is should see well over five and a half percent GDP growth this year. I believe China just posted Q1 GDP eighteen point three percent. I believe the print just came out uh, Q1 GDP. Uh, so yeah, this is where I'm at, guys. Uh, consider different industries, different company sizes. Uh, keep an eye on those balance sheets. They're going to be very important, of course. Keep an eye on cash flow burn, gross margins, things of that nature. But uh, when you look at the market being at all-time highs, I don't think it tells the story. That's ultimately what I'm trying to say here. There are pockets that I believe many should be considering, and those are the ones that I mentioned. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. This is the kind of feedback I've been getting people want to see, or rather hear, I should say. Um, I want to do also like individual company podcasts where I break down maybe financials or what I think about the company, some, some pros, some cons, things like that. You know, I've been thinking a lot about news and try to keep doing like maybe news podcasts or stuff. I'm not going to be doing that guys. I don't think that's going to be something I touch upon. I want to use the YouTube also as a means of, of education. Cause I can use more infographics, uh, on the visuals, uh, maybe, you know, a word of the week, term of the week, things like that. Uh, sometimes I'll do maybe a company breakdown on YouTube because you can see the financials with your own two eyes. Uh, but the streams, guys, the streams are so key. Please, I want you all to tune in on Twitch. I know you guys might not have the app. Please do me the favor, download Twitch. You're probably going to do it eventually anyway. I think it's the next big app that's on the way. All right. Follow at Cube Wealth because I'm able to work with you guys live, break down the charts live, answer your questions live. I'm not able to do that on a podcast. I'm not able to do that on YouTube. I want to continue to use Twitter and Instagram as a news sources for quick news and, and nice topics to discuss almost as a blog. But the podcast, uh, I'm going to start doing it like this now. The YouTube, I want to get more into that. I really want to start pushing harder on content. Uh, on top of the Twitch. I've been going really hard. I, I'm live every Wednesday. Sometimes I do surprise streams every Wednesday around 8 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. So guys, please tune into that. And once again, I am full, fully with you guys uh, as part of the subscription. Investment guides, research reports, models. We're talking like 40, 50 page research reports. You get access to all of them. Group chat where we're talking 24-7 about opportunities. All right. And one, and I'd love for you guys to join, www.cubewealth.com. I have multiple plans. If you're a student, recent grad, vet, reach out to me. 
be glad to give you guys the discounts you all deserve. So please reach out. But the last point I want to make here, guys, is think long term. Cube, go to a different podcast then if you want to chase trends, chase FOMO, chase all that. That is not how I do things here. And I believe that's a lot of the reason you guys have been supporting me for so long. We're all about investing in growth, investing in quality, and finding the right balance and sticking with it long term as if we're Buffett, as if we're a VC, as if we're a private equity. And I think those opportunities are out there today, okay, across a nice diversified portfolio. Obviously, put those companies to the test often. Make sure they're executing. Make sure the quarters are going good. Don't be so myopic, so, so short-sighted. Okay, guys? This is what I want to leave you all with. Thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, I'll catch you guys on the next podcast. I really appreciate you guys. Thanks and take care.